By now, there must have been millions of sermons preached on the prologue of John's gospel, which we just read, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. It is certainly one of the most familiar texts in all of Scripture. Who has not heard verse 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Can there be a more succinct statement of the truth that the second person of the Trinity is divine? He is worthy to be praised, worshipped, and adored. And who has not memorized the opening phrase of verse 14? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Indeed, the incarnation of the word of God in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is at the very core of Christian doctrine and truth. He was made like us, except without sin. But between these two pinnacles of truth, there are both a tragic story of rejection and a love story for the ages. I want to draw our focus first to that tragic story of rejection and then to that love story for the ages. Turn with me to John chapter 1 if you have your Bible or your cell phone or whatever you read from. We'll look first at, at verse 11. And then at verses 12 and 13. First then, the tragic story of rejection. Verse 11 reads, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. To establish the fact that these are his own people, we must look briefly at the covenants of the Old Testament. In the covenant with Adam, God said, Be fruitful and multiply. But Adam was enticed by his wife Eve and sinned against God. God banished them from the garden, saying, saying to the serpent that tempted the woman, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. From this account of the fall onward, the people of God long for the coming of the one who would restore the peace and tranquility Adam and Eve once enjoyed as they walked with, the garden, in, with God in the garden. The people of God longed for the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of Satan. But the heart of mankind was evil and sin abounded on the earth. Then God was grieved that he made mankind and he told Noah to build an ark and he spared eight people from the flood. This, Peter says, was his first, in his first epistle, responds to baptism. And the people of God found hope in God's covenant promise to Noah that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Once more, God said to Noah and his sons and their wives, be fruitful and multiply. Then God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans. God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham saying, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring. Paul tells us in Galatians 3 that God's promise was to Abraham and to his offspring, not offsprings. One offspring, not many. And that offspring is Jesus Christ. The people of God who saw themselves as children of Abraham waited expectantly for that fulfillment, for the offspring of Abraham to come. 
cannot pass over Abraham without looking briefly at his son Isaac, his son of the promise, whom God asked him to sacrifice on Mount Moriah. On the way to, mount, to the mountain, Isaiah, Isaac said to his father, My father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham replied, God will provide for himself the lamb that, for a burnt offering, my son. And you know the story. As Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, there was a ram caught in the thicket. This sacrifice predated and foreshadowed the sacrificial system established with Moses and the people of God in the wilderness. And from this side of the cross, we know that God has indeed provided himself a lamb. Before Moses and the Exodus came Joseph's imprisonment in Egypt. Joseph became the ruler under Pharaoh and ultimately the kinsman redeemer of his brothers and his father Jacob. He said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Seventy-five people of Jacob's family went into Egypt, joining Joseph there. On his deathbed, Jacob blessed his son, saying in part, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. The people of God longed for the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who would take the scepter and reign. We know that in the Revelation, our glorious Lord is referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob spent 430 years in captivity in Egypt. They were abused and oppressed, and their cries went up to God for deliverance. God sent a baby who was hidden in the bulrushes, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and reared as a prince in Pharaoh's house. At 40, he killed an Egyptian who was abusing an Israelite slave, and he escaped into the wilderness. At 80, this man, Moses, came face to face with God in the burning bush. He was sent back to free God's people from the Egyptians. The death angel who came to kill the firstborn of all in the land passed over the houses where the blood of the lamb was on the post doorposts and the lintels of the houses of the people of God. This Passover lamb points us to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. For 40 more years, Moses led the people in the wilderness. God made a covenant with Moses who codified the law and thus established Israel as a nation. Again in Galatians, Paul tells us that the law was our guardian until Christ came. After 40 years in the wilderness, the people of God were led by Joshua across the Jordan River into the promised land. God said to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. you will not, I will not leave you forsake, or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And Joshua said to the people, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. With each succeeding covenant, God is strengthening his relationship with the people of Israel. And they are more and more certain that God has chosen them from out of all the people of the earth. Nearly 400 years go by 
during which time the people of God are led by a succession of judges, the last of whom is Samuel the prophet. He it is who anointed David to be king. David was a shepherd who became a great military leader and perhaps the most popular ruler of any kingdom, anytime, anywhere, though he was an adulterer and a murderer. The Davidic covenant is, a, is the establishment of David as king and the promise of an everlasting kingdom to his son. In 2 Samuel 7, we read, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. My steadfast love will not depart from him and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. For the next thousand years, the people of Israel anxiously awaited the coming king who would throw off the oppression of their enemies, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and finally the Romans. They longed for the coming of the son of David. That king came in the person of Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. On Palm Sunday, the people shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus, the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of Satan. Jesus, the offspring of Abraham who was chosen by God. Jesus, the kinsman redeemer who would set the people free. Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Jesus, the Lamb of God who would shed his blood to stay the hand of the angel of death. Jesus, the son of David who would reign forever. Jesus who would fulfill all the law and the prophets. No one was ever more one with the people of God than Jesus Christ. And yet the scripture tells us he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He came to Nazareth, his hometown, and entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and unrolled the scroll of Isaiah and read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Before that day was over, the people of Nazareth rose up against Jesus and drove him out of town. He was rejected by his own people. When Jesus stood before Pilate's judgment seat, Pilate said to the chief priests and the officers of the law, Behold your king. The people cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests replied, We have no king but Caesar. The people had longed for a king to overthrow the Roman rule. But faced with a choice, they chose Caesar and rejected Jesus, the King of the Jews. On the day of Pentecost, Peter closed his sermon with these words, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He came to his own, 
and his own people did not receive him. It is a tragic story of rejection. We will now turn to a love story for the ages. John 1, 12, and 13 reads, But to all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The love story begins where the tragedy began. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The offspring of the woman came to destroy the devil and set the people of God free from sin and death. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall become like wool. Surely you are aware of how great the offense of your sin is to God. God will, no God has, washed away your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to die on a cross to take away our sin and reconcile us to the Father. To the church in Ephesus, Paul wrote, In love, God predestined us, us, <clears throat> excuse me, us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in him, that is, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We are adopted, chosen, and loved by the Father in his beloved Son. I pastored full-time in what now seems like a galaxy far, far away. No one had a personal computer 35 years ago. Hence, there was no email. We communicated by the printed word. We had a monthly newsletter that we mailed to members, friends, and family. Each month, I wrote a cover article, basically a page or a page and a half of teaching. Once, just once, I gave the front page to a young woman in our congregation. She wrote in gratitude for her birth mother, who chose not to abort her, but to give her life and in gratitude for her adopted mother who took her un into her life and gave her undying love. Her article had a huge impact on our readers. Some who formerly supported a woman's right to an abortion were radically transformed into pro-life advocates. All were moved by her mother's love. Beloved, adoption is real love. If you are adopted, you were chosen. You are the pick of the litter. You should feel loved. She did. If there is a text more familiar than the prologue of John's gospel, it is this from the third chapter of John, beginning at verse 3. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, 
How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Continuing at verse 16, Jesus says to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is a love story for the ages. It has nothing to do with your love for one another or your love for God. It has everything to do with God's love for you. For God so loved the world. John 1, 12 and 13 again reads, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, born of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you believe in him, you have the right to become the children of God. If you believe in Jesus, the Son of the Father, you will have eternal life. You will be born of God. The love story for the ages is this. God loves you so much that if you believe in him, you will be born again and made his child. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to pay the penalty due because of your sin and mine. Beloved, have you been born again? Have you been born of God? Do you know the Father's love? I don't want to embarrass anyone. But I don't want you to leave here today without, with any doubt that God loves you. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to be born of God. Pretend for a moment that we're in a courtroom at an adoption proceeding. The judge asks you, do you want to be adopted by God? If the answer is yes, I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me. It's okay. Most of the people in this room are born of God. They will love and encourage you in your life as a child of God. You may be a member of the vestry or a Sunday school teacher, a new visitor or a longtime member. But if you're not sure of God's love, please stand. I'll ask those of you who are sure to stand with me and pray. Line by line.
Father, I have sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your child. But you gave your only begotten son to die for me. I believe that my sins are washed away in his blood. Grant me, Father, that I may be born again. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you pray that prayer, you're now born of God. You may become emotional. You may feel nothing. This is about faith, not feelings. Satan may try to steal your new life away. Resist him and he will flee from you. Walk in the love of God. You have a new identity, a renewed identity. You are born of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.